we've been going through a series called Winning the War on Your Mind. And a lot of times, you know, we think of war and we're like, yay, swords and shields and horses and go do all these things, right? But when we try to win the war on our mind, it's so hard to like see that in a tangible way just because you can't see it. And really only you and the Lord know what that war is like. No one else to, they can understand to some degree, but no one else can really know what you're truly, truly going for or going through. I always tell my students that only you and the Lord know you to the, the highest amount, like know each other fully, right? And so you know what you need the best, but then the Lord knows what you need even more. And so we need to listen to the Lord when we're going through those warring seasons in our mind. And, you know, Pastor Trevor's been talking to us about different ways to win that war in our mind, different practical things we do, can, different uh, spiritual disciplines we can do. And I want to propose the idea of creating margin to win the war. So again, uh, like Courage said a little bit earlier, um, I'm one of the uh, staff members here at RAD. I get to do all the communication, social media stuff, but I'm also a Chi Alpha missionary. And so I get to meet with college students all the time. And our college students, they are going through it, right? They are so strong. I love how uh, resilient they are because they've had to go through uh, school with a pandemic. They've had to grieve the loss of uh, not having a prom, not having graduation, not be able to have a uh, normal transition into adulthood. Uh, regardless if it was college or not, just young adults in general, it's been rough. And so we're constantly talking about mental health with them. Um, and something I really like from this series that Pastor Trevor's been saying is, if you want to change your life, change your mind. And I want to propose that in order to change your mind, you need to do so by creating rhythms of rest and margin in your life. You see, if you don't create those um, areas of, in space where you can stop and connect with the Lord, either through your own devotional time or you know, through something we're going to talk about, uh, Sabbath, then how are you going to be able to hear the Lord while all that chaos um, and nonstop strife is happening? So within those margins is where we learn to trust God with these things that we're warring against. But how do we even start there, right? Like our American culture is all about, you know, focus on yourself, you know, and climb that ladder and keep getting success and do all these different things. But the American culture and the American uh, process for success doesn't include the rest of God most of the time. Um, I had a very rude awakening when I was in college that the American dream is not all that it's made out to be, right? Uh, which I'll talk about that a little bit in a minute as well. But how is margin created? How do we even start making space in our life for God? How do we make space for God in our own lives when things are going crazy? And even when things aren't going crazy. The first thing to create that margin is to practice honoring the Sabbath. Now, I know Sabbath is kind of a th word thrown around church. Uh, there's some people who practice it in a very traditional sense. There are some people who um, have a very unique to approach it. Um, I grew up thinking I had to be super legalistic about it or I couldn't do it at all. Um, I went through seasons where I was taking a Sabbath. I was like honoring the Sabbath and I was like binge watching Netflix. And we all know that's not actually restful. So what is Sabbath in the first place? If we look in the scripture, uh, the root word of Sabbath is, is Shabbat. And I apologize in advance if I mispronounce any of these words because I don't know how to read these words correctly. <laughs> uh, but it's Shabbat, which literally means to cease working. Um, and we can see that really the first time this is ever set an example in scripture is by God in Genesis at the very, very beginning. Genesis 2, 2 through 3 says, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. 
And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was, because it was the day when he rested from all work of creation. I want you to see here, he says all. It's not just a little bit here and there. It's not just the project that he finished by the end of the week. It was all of creation. And we see here that whenever he said he rested from his work, something I found interesting in this particular chapter is it never said that God stopped resting. And so the original intent of the garden with Adam and Eve and everything else going on was to be constantly in the presence of God and have this eternal rest and peace that he wanted to give us. But unfortunately, like us humans do sometimes, we, knew, we thought we knew better. And so we tried to take control. Some of us know the, you know the Adam and Eve story and us choosing that we thought we knew better and wanted to take control and wanted to have power. And in light of that, God gave us free will because you know, without free will, you know, what is love? And so because of his love for us, he restrained himself and let, us, let humanity make the choice to step away from his guidance. And so because of that, we have sin in the world and Adam and Eve, have to go, Adam and Eve had to go out and continue working and couldn't stay in that rest. But like we were saying earlier, he's the same God, right? He's never changing. And so his love for us and his want us to, for us to be in his presence and rest with him, that's never changed. And so because of that, God gave us great instructions because he knows that as humans, we need rules, we need parameters, we need guidance. And so with that, um, he gave the Israelites the tradition of Sabbath. And so it was resting on the seventh day. If I remember correctly, typically it was the equivalent of a Friday night to a Saturday night. They would spend time in the synagogue, reading through the Torah, uh, reflecting on God, reflecting on the, uh, what had happened throughout the week, last time they were there, um, and having a meal together. So our Sunday mornings are still very, very reflective um, of what that Sabbath was like. It was very communal. It was spending time together. It was resting with each other in community, like how God originally wanted us to have. But then there were also seven festivals. And so there were some seasonal moments where, um, you know, went along with how crops were growing and different uh, big milestones in that community's life. And so they had seven festivals to remind them of the original intent of the rest of God. And this is my favorite one. So they had the seventh year of celebrations. I, it was the year of Jubilee, if I remember correctly. And the year of Jubilee, all debts were paid off. Everything was forgiven. It was a full clean slate, which we would all want that, right? It would be super great if we could just do a whole clean slate on literally everything. And so this is God's way of helping his people remember the rest that he intentionally, and intent, uh, at the very beginning, wanted to give him, them. Like he wanted them to have this rest. And so what does that look like for us today? Uh, Kyle and I, my husband, uh, we try really hard to uh, practice these rhythms of rest. And it's not just to do it to do it. It's not to do it just to be spiritual. Um, none of that, you know, it's not just to do that, but it's to really have a close relationship with God. And so for personally, uh, we try to take Saturdays completely off. We don't wear any, any hats, any responsibilities. And so that can look like a different things for people. For us, it was waking up early, reading books. Um, I like gaming. I really like the stories and games. So I gamed for a little bit, not too long, because you can get lost in that, but I was gaming for a bit. Uh, we went to go see a new movie and just were freaking out about the animation styles. And you know, we love looking at how different uh, animators make different uh, 
things work and how they use different uh, styles and structures to make their films very unique. And so that's something fun for me. God created me to be a storyteller. Uh, that's part of my identity in Christ as a storyteller. I love uh, visuals, I love photography, I love capturing moments. And so that's refreshing to me. That reminds me of how God created me in the uh, different aspects of my life that he made very unique to me. And then we also take um, a weekly, every year, uh, we take a weekly sabbatical um, for our anniversary. So we like to go away and have a trip for our anniversary. But our anniversary is also right before all the college students come back in August, which is our busiest season for uh, Chi Alpha, for the college ministry that I'm a part of. And so I needed to take some time away to reflect and rest before I knew this big uh, busy season was coming. And so for us, it's fun because I'm getting to go on vacation with my husband, which is super great. But then also it's in preparation so that way in that crazy busy season, I have spent a, a good amount of uh, time resting in God in preparation for that busy season. Now, I know not all of us can take time like that. Some of you guys have kids. I know with college students, y'all are like constantly college students 24 seven. But even if it's an afternoon, just taking a set time every week where you're gonna commit to spend an, a ridiculous amount of intentional time with the Lord. For me personally, whenever I was doing my Chi Alpha ministry training, uh, we worked 60 to 70 hour weeks typically, and it was a lot. And for me, I always had uh, my disciple maker hat on, as we always should. But even then with that internship, I was super intentional with it. So for me, even going to church, I was still had that hat on because I want to make sure my small group girls got to church. But I had a Sunday afternoon. We never planned anything for the ministry back then. And I knew I could rest at that point. And so I would, on Saturday afternoon, or I'm sorry, Sunday afternoon, after I would go drop off all my students back to their campus, I would just um, spend time with the Lord, go on a hike with some of my friends. I, I enjoy hiking when it's not like super cold or super hot. I just need that springtime hike. And I love doing that with people. And it's refreshing to me. And it reminds me of uh, just seeing God throughout nature. and just reminds me again of how he created me to be. Uh, my, I have a pastor friend over in Austin. He's a good mentor of mine. But um, with Anthony, if you are uh, calling him on Thursday, you better be almost dying or in the ER. Because Thursday is Pastor Anthony's Sabbath. And no one calls him on a Sabbath, right? Because he needs that rest and that time to really remind himself of who he is in Christ. And so he doesn't uh, have his pastor hat on. He doesn't have his mentorship hat on or anything. If there's an emergency, like he says, like, yeah, please still call me. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be like super out of touch. But it's just his day just to exist with God, to spend time with God. Sometimes you'll find uh, Pastor Anthony at the very top floor in the awesome public library on the balcony that overlooks Ladybird Lake. Sometimes he'll go kayaking with his wife. Sometimes it's going to a concert with his kids. You know, he'll do different things like that. And he says that it reminds him of his own identity in Christ outside of being a pastor and a dad and a husband. So maybe that's something that you may need today. How can you set aside time specifically with God where you can take off your parent hat your student hat, uh, your worker hat, uh, wherever you're employed at, you know, um, take off the hat of worrying about finances. That's a hard one for me. You know, and having that set time where you're going to commit to rest in God and trust him. 
right? Now I will say, a lot of these things we're talking about, you know, taking a step away from the busy, this does not mean that you isolate yourself. So I'm calling myself out, but you introverts, this is not a cop out to stay in your house all day long, okay? But it's meant to be in community. Like I said earlier, whenever they would practice Shabbat in the Old Testament, what they would do is it was you know, going to the synagogue together, having a meal together, having people over. And for you, maybe you have like a select amount of like three people that like give you life, that you enjoy being around them. And it's just only those three people, right? Even Jesus had that. He had, you know, the whole group of people who was traveling with him. He had the 12 that he was discipling. And then he even had the three. And so it's okay to, you know, there's nothing wrong with having certain people that you go to for certain times. And for your Sabbath, you know, reach out to people that you enjoy spending time with. Maybe it's a friend you haven't seen in a while. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your roommates. You know, whatever it is, be in community and do things that remind you of who you are in Christ and how uniquely he made you. But... It's not really rest, this whole thing isn't about resting within a time period. We're not going to do it just to do it. Um, it was kind of funny yesterday, but in the morning for my devotional time, I've been trying to slowly get through Isaiah. And I think it was Isaiah 58. And it was talking about fasting and it was calling out people for fasting just to look religious and how they were, you know, being super um, injustice or unjust to their workers and how God was not okay with that. He's like, don't fast and then um, treat your workers wrong or don't fast and uh, commit this injustice against people because I'm not going to recognize that. I'm not going to honor that. And so the thing with, with the fast, like we don't need to do it just to do it. The whole thing is you're making this framework for yourself to have this rhythm of rest. But it's really not about that specific rhythm. It's about the rest of God, right? And so because Jesus died for us, we can continually experience that rest of God. That experiencing the rest of God isn't going to be just for that one parameter of that one day or that one afternoon that you commit to set aside the Sabbath. And we create that margin of resting uh, in God in our life just constantly as a state of being by abiding in Christ, <clears throat> There's another word for rest. I believe it's pronounced nuak, I think. But it means to dwell or settle. And so we want to dwell or settle in Christ. We're going to look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30. But it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And, I, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, Jesus is teaching us to rest by stopping the work, so Shabbat, and to be present with him, the Nuach. And that's just what God did whenever he finished creating Genesis. He physically stopped creating, right? But then he also looked out at everything he created and he was still and he was dwelling in that space. And so we can experience the peace of God's presence and rest in him only if we go to him. Like I said earlier, God has given us the great gift of free will, right? That's how he loves us so well. He restricts himself to give us space to make choice and learn how to trust him. I had an experience like this during school. Um, I promise you 
The Lord made my days 26 hours long. I don't know how I got this semester finished. I was a small group leader in Chi Alpha with a pretty good sized small group and a lot of girls I was mentoring. Um, I had a Monday night class, Chi Alpha met on Tuesdays. I had a Wednesday night class, small group was on Thursday nights. And back then on Fridays, we did small groups for international students. And I also worked while I was in school. It was packed. I was also taking a capstone class for my degree too. So it was like a senior level class. There was a lot going on, right? So there became a point where I was just tired. I was burnout. Um, I was grouchy to everybody. Um, feel so bad for my small group girls. I had to deal with me being like, like hangry all the time. It was so bad. But, you know, I was just kind of at the end of my rope. And I realized, you know, this is not this is not what God intended me for to experience. Like I committed to go to him because I knew that there would be peace and love and joy as I spent more time with him, but this isn't happening. So what am I doing wrong? Because again, our God is the same God through and through. He's consistent. So if there's something different going on, we have to look at our own lives and look at what did we change? What did we allow to just happen, right? Because God doesn't just is okay with just letting things just happen. He's intentional. He's a God of order, right? And so we are the ones who allow, or even the world is the place where chaos starts. So we have to decide and look at where is the chaos going on and how can we engage God in that chaos and trust and rest in him. So this is what I decided to do. It was to the point where I almost couldn't get out of bed because I was so stressed out by all the stuff I had to do every single day. And so every morning before I got out of bed, I would grab my phone and I would grab the YouVersion app or the Step Bible or whatever um, app, uh, scripture app I was using. And I would read through Psalms 23, you know, where it says that um, he lies us beside uh, still waters and green pastures. He restores our soul. You know, just reading through, it was like six, six verses. It's not a very long scripture at all. But I would read through it and miraculously... I would get enough energy to go take a shower and restart my day. And then I would start thinking about all the stuff I had to do that day, the work, the assignments. Uh, I was a journalism student, so I also worked for the newspaper. So all the different stories and interviews I had to do. Um, and I would start getting bogged down by all of that. And so I would Psalms 23 again before I would get on the bus at 7 a.m. to go to work on campus. And by reading Psalms 23, I physically had enough energy to step onto that bus and deal with having to, all the craziness of driving around St. Marcus at 7 a.m. during rush hour. I read through Psalms 23 probably about 20 times a day that semester, which, you know, that's about, you know, three, four months or so. Now, I started out that semester burnout, tired, exhausted, just in a terrible place. And I finished that semester with most of my small group girls deciding to become small group leaders themselves and going through our leadership training class. I was in such a better place with the Lord. I was rejuvenated, excited for the summer and all the internships I was gonna get to do. But most of all, I was extremely close to God and always attentive to how he wanted me to rest in him. See, we have to make that choice to engage with God to engage with scripture. For you, maybe it's reading through the Lord's Prayer 
and remind yourself of that consistency. Maybe it's looking through Psalms or Proverbs. Um, I have certain uh, sets of books in the Bible I read during different seasons. So for per me personally, I'm kind of in a support raising season to get our um, ministry the resources it needs to function well and serve our students. And so I am working through the book of Nehemiah. Because if you read through Nehemiah, it's all about, you know, this uh, Nehemiah saw a need and it broke his heart and he brought it to the Lord. And then the Lord met every single uh, need in that process, in that project. It was going back to Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple after being exiled for, for years and years and years. We actually went through the book of Nehemiah whenever we started the building project. And it's crazy to see how the Lord moved even in radical church by looking at that particular scripture. And, you know, people ask, you know, Lord, what's the purpose for my life? How am I going to handle this situation? Um, you know, there wasn't social media back then, so how am I going to handle cyberbullying? How am I going to handle this? How am I going to handle a mortgage? Like, they didn't have mortgages the same way, even back in the 50s, the way, the way they do now. But I promise you, if you allow yourself to be humbled and listen to the Lord, and you go to Scripture, He will point you to the exact words you need to learn how to trust him in that aspect of your life, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what war you're facing in your mind, there are scriptures to help you get through that season. We just have to choose to rest in God. There's a quote from uh, Mark Buchanan. He writes about Sabbath in a couple of his books. But it says, Sabbath imparts the rest of God, actual physical, mental, spiritual rest, but also the rest of God, right? It's not just like at peace, but just his, in his fullness. The fullness of the things of God's nature and presence that we miss in our busyness, right? We typically think of America as very much kind of the, the Christian country, the Christian culture. Well, let me tell you, if you go to Asia, Africa, South America, pretty much any other country, they're so in tune with God because they're trusting in him. Our, our culture is so focused on us as individuals. We're fo so focused on materials. You know, I was in college. I mentioned earlier that, you know, the whole American dream thing sure did, you know, kind of that bubble burst for me because, you know, COVID hit and found out that it's significantly harder to buy a house, right? I was taking uh, classes in school and doing the same thing my friends were doing, and some of us got internships and jobs and some of us didn't, Right? And whenever I graduated, I did have the American dream. I graduated debt-free from school. Don't know how in the world that happened, only the Lord. So, and being a first-generation student too. So when I got to Texas State, I had no clue what I was doing at all. So graduated debt-free. Um, before I even started the last semester of my uh, time at Texas State, before I got my degree, I already had a job out of the local newspaper that I loved, that gave me good enough pay and I didn't have to move. I could stay in San Marcos and continue going to the church and continue having the friends that I, I wanted to have. All I was missing was a white picket fence, a husband and a dog. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna graduate, start working here, start you know, getting to know people and move on with the rest of my life. And the weekend of my graduation, God told me, as I'm walking the stage, by the way, and I'm shaking Dr. Chow's hand at the university, he told me, this has been your training ground to learn how to tell the story of the gospel, to tell my story to those who need it at Texas State for the rest of your life. Get ready. And I was like, oh, no, we're not doing that. I got everything laid out. I'm good to go. And as the weeks progressed, 
that rest of God that I originally had left because I wasn't trusting him with my life. And so I had this war going on in my mind of, oh, what are my parents going to say? I got to make money. I just got this degree and yeah, it's paid off. But like, man, I worked really hard. I worked really hard to pay it off. I was all focused on myself. And I wasn't seeing God's provision during those four and a half years of me being in school. And even then his spiritual provision of giving me a community who led me to be closer to him. If I didn't have Chi Alpha, I probably wouldn't know God to the degree that I would. I was. Because when I moved to school, it was classes, work, and then if I get time to go to church. It was not a priority for me whatsoever. But having that community I can experience the rest of God in changed my life. And regardless if it had called me into college ministry or not, I needed a community to help me ask those questions and be able to grow in that rest of God. So let me challenge you. Please, do not wait for small groups to start to start your community, right? Because we're waiting on someone to start, you know, oh, this event's going on. This is how we can get together. You know, there's this mom's group going on. This is, you know, this uh, young adult's group going on. And those are great. Don't, don't get me wrong. Lily, Chi Alpha is a ministry of small groups. Like, that's basically our main thing. All we do is small groups and then everything else is secondary. So, like, I love small groups. Don't get me wrong. However, what will happen when the small groups pause for Christmas? How is you, don't base your spiritual growth off of someone else's relationship of God, right? Because we always tell our students like, hey, you're going to go home back to break? Or you're going to go home for break? You're going to be around family that maybe you don't get along super, super well. You know, you've been going to small group, you know, reading scripture with all your friends. But what's going to happen over break? Are you going to actually open your Bible? Are you actually going to make sure you get yourself to church? And so, you know, you don't have to do this by yourself, but you have to make the choice. No one can make the choice for you. So I encourage you guys, you know, after church, do you like how the church, or the big C church has been doing for thousands of years? Take someone out to lunch, you know? Go bowling with someone. Go on a hike with someone. Um, Mackie, I'm going to call you out. One of our students here, Hannah Mackie, she is fantastic at making hangouts for people. And so at 8 a.m. every other Saturday morning, I'm just like barely waking up, you know, and I see that a, a message from Hannah at 7 a.m. that says, hey, we're going out hiking. Let me know if you guys need a ride, if you need hiking boots, if you need water, whatever, we'll, we'll get you there. And you want to go hiking with us. And they have this big old group chat of like biblical baddies. And all these girls are always planning things together and hanging out together. And as our group grows, there's more people adding into it. And that's what community is. That's why I love Chi Alpha so much. It's because they create this community. And yeah, it's not perfect. Sometimes it's messy. But it's good. Because it helps us remind us of God and the rest and the peace that he wants to give us. Another practical uh, thing I use to help whenever my mind is warring and I've got a lot of things going on in my brain and you know I'm struggling to trust God and create that margin and that peace that I need or receive that peace that he wants to give me that I need. It's something called the prayer of examine. And all it is, is you look at a certain time period. It could be an evening to a, or a morning to an evening. It could be a during, uh, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, whatever you want to do. But you sit down with your journal and you spend time with God and you ask the Lord, 
What did I do this week that pulled me away from God? And what pulled me closer to God? And you're examining your life and spending time to really see what could I do more to trust the Lord? What could I do better to be at his peace? What do I need from my community to be able to trust him more and ask those hard questions? And you see, I did that whenever you know, I was homesick away from San Marcos during my missionary training. And, you know, it was really, really hard. And so I, every week I would, uh, in my journal, ask, hey, God, what did I do this week or how, what happened this week to make me feel more at home with you? Right? Because feeling at home, like God is our home. Right? He's where all of our peace and all of our sustainment comes from. So what did I do to get me closer to God? And what, did I, what happened or what did I do that pulled me away from God? And guys, I called myself out, I think, every single week. It was so bad. But it was in a good way, though, because it showed me how I, on my own, I was pulling away from God. And I didn't even realize it. Right? Again, our God is the same God. We are the ones who change. And so we want to experience that rest. If we want to experience that margin we need to trust him when our mind is warring and we have intrusive thoughts and things are going on, we need our community and we need that space to be able to stop, reset, and focus on Christ. Now, if you've accepted Christ as Savior, then this rest is available to you. Um, I finished a book over, I think it was last summer, called Deeper. And I love the first line of the book. It said, you know, we're, whenever you accept Christ, there's really nothing you need to do to strive to get closer to him, right? If you accepted Christ, you have everything you need. You just need to go deeper and deeper and discover the mystery and the beautifulness of Christ, right? And so we just need to go deeper and deeper with him. Um, but... It's none of this is possible if you haven't fully surrendered your life to Christ. Some of our students uh, back in the day who were theater majors love to do um, illustrations of different things. And so what they would do is um, one person was acting like Jesus and another person was you know, just like a student. And they would have a, a garbage bag full of just things that represented like homework, school, strife, finances, whatever. And the person playing Jesus would say like, oh, like, hey, I see it's hurting you. Like, let, let me have it. Like, I can take care of it for you. And the student would go like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to burden you, Jesus. It's okay. Like, I've got this. Like, you've got enough going on. You know, like, yeah, like everything else going on in the world is fine. And he was like, nah, seriously, like, let me help you out there. And the person would give like a little bit here and a little bit there. And then they would walk off and the bag was a little bit lighter. Well, the person would come back to Jesus like, oh, well, actually, let me have that back. And I don't know how many times in our lives we actively choose to carry that burden on our own. When literally it says that Jesus' burden and his yoke is light. He wants it to be light for us. It's not going to be easy. He's never promised an easy life. Or that things were always going to be great. And that provision was always going to be there. But that way, but the, the burden with him will be easy. Because he's going to carry that burden for you. So fully surrender and devote your life to Christ to experience the rest of God. Matthew 4, 35 through 40 is one of my favorite stories in scripture. <clears throat> says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. So they were crossing this big, um, I think it was the Sea of Galilee. 
Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Now Jesus was tired. He had been loving on people all day long. He was probably peopled. Well, Jesus can't really be peopled out. But if it was an introvert, he'd be peopled out. Um, but there were also other boats with him. So there was other people who were also going across uh, the sea. And so a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So that was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So you see, this is the epitome of chaos. It was actually really fun. Uh, one of the speakers at a conference we took our students to recently actually preached about this scripture when he took a video of a storm uh, that was happening on that sea when he went to go on a tour of Israel. And for whatever reason, this little landlocked sea, if this storm hits it, it's like you're stuck in the middle of the Atlantic. Like it's scary. Right, And so all these disciples, they're freaking out, thinking they're going to drown. You know, who knows, maybe Peter can't swim. Like, you know, there's a whole lot going on there. You know, it's, everyone's freaking out for different reasons. And so they're just focusing on, like, how Jesus isn't doing anything. You know, so obviously at this point, they're not fully trusting Christ. They haven't fully surrendered their mind, body, and soul to Jesus. Now, I will say, I will call myself out here for a second. When I first read those scriptures, I saw that as Jesus being sassy with them. Like, why are you still so afraid? Like, why do you still have no faith? Like, we spent days, like weeks, years together. Like, what's going on here, right? But in reality, if we look back to the Matthew scripture, where it says, come to me, all, who, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. And so I had to realize the second time I read through that scripture that, you know, if we look at what Jesus did, he woke up and he immediately addressed the problem. He didn't get mad at them and rebuke them and say, what's, like, what's going on? He didn't rebuke the disciples, he rebuked the waves. And so many times, if we allow Jesus to move in our lives, he's going to address the problem. He's going to take care of the issue. Right? It may not happen exactly how we want him to do it, but he's going to take care of it. Right? And then after that, he went and talked to the disciples and asked them, like, hey, what, like, what's going on? Why are you still so afraid? Do you have no faith? Like, what, like, are, you, like are you okay? What's going on? You know, and even then, that's how we need to approach people. You know, instead of if someone's, you know, back, like, again, during my Psalms 23 semester, uh, it was so nice because instead of my friends going like, hey, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you acting this way? Why are you being mean? Like, why are you never available? What's going on? I had a sweet friend ask me, are you okay? What is going on and how can I help? And by that's such a Jesus-like way to, to approach someone who is in a crisis moment and warring in their mind. As a community, that's how we can support each other, asking each other, are you okay? How can I help, right? Because just like Christ, you know, Christ is an abound, like his bounding in grace. He wants to give us that space to learn and ask questions and grow because he knows where our heart posture is. And I experienced that all through school, but you don't have to go through, just go through school, go through a financial crisis, go through a big life moment just to experience the rest of God. 
He wants you to experience his rest through the good times, through the bad times, and everything in between. So if I can have Sadie or uh, Tim come up on keys, I'm just going to help us get in a heart posture of reflection. Um, I love how music really helps prepare our heart and our minds to approach things a little differently. Um, the movie me and Kylan saw yesterday was a Puss in Boots movie. I would highly recommend it just because the animation and how the music is built together to help, your, help you have a full experience of the story that's going on is just beautiful. So I appreciate uh, our worship team, how they really help us get in the right posture to be reflective and receive from God from that. So thank you guys. But again, you know, you don't have to get it right every single time, right? With each battle and tough season you go through, you'll develop the trust that's needed to still have margin in your busy life and still fully trust God with that. You know, we went through a season of we moved into a house this past summer and we turned into a ministry house for Chi Alpha students. And we've had so many international students come into our house. And it's been really a home for many people who needed a safe space. But moving into a house is hard. We've moved four times in the three years that we've been married and had to deal with a pandemic. And it was hard. And finances is something I'm learning again and again to trust God. But again and again, like we said in, in that song, we can run to the Father. We can trust Him. We can go to Him. He's never going to hold back His love and His care for us. If only we would make the choice to say yes. And you don't have to do anything first or get all your ducks in a row first before you can go to Him. Just say Yes, Jesus, I need you. I want to trust you. My mind is telling me that I need to worry and that I need to control all of these things, but I wanna give it to you. I wanna trust you with it. Uh, my first semester in school, unfortunately, I had ID fraud and I was paying my way through school. And the day before I was gonna pay for my next semester and register for classes and apply for that job I needed, all my money was gone all my savings, everything I had worked hard for was gone. And I went to our Kai office service just in tears and I told the Lord, I can't do anything about this. You're gonna to have to do something because I'm fed up. I physically and tangibly can't do anything. The bank's not helping me. My parents don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. If I don't pay for school, I will have to move home. And I do not wanna do that. I know you've called me here for a reason. I know you led me to Texas State for a reason. I don't know what that reason is quite yet, but I need to stay here and only you can make that happen. A week later, all the money was back in my accounts. I got my tuition paid with a little small late fee, but the tuition was paid. But what happened though, is I wasn't able to register for the classes that I wanted. I had to register for the classes that I didn't know until the spring semester made my schedule available to take our leadership training class. Our leadership training class is what prepared me to be a small group leader and lead so many other girls to the Lord. As I became a small group leader, I learned that I can share the gospel with people. I can love on the Lord in this way. I can be there for people. And then that led me to do mission trips and led me to realize that God does call average people to do miraculous things, both in the mission field and in marketplace ministry. 
We have a saying in the Chi Alpha that either when you graduate, you will do world missions, US mission, missions, church planning, um, or marketplace ministry, which is the most important. But doing nothing is not an option. Doing nothing for the gospel is not an option. So I was like, Lord, I will go work and I will go fund missionaries. I will be that person. I gotta go make money, but with money I make, I'll go pour it towards where you call me. And then God called myself for the mission field. He's kind of funny like that. Now, all of that would not have happened, I truly believe, <laughs> if I was not in a crisis moment and chose to go to Christ. I could have chosen to freak out about it, drop out of school and deal with my own life. And God would have still been there for me. He still would have wanted to love me through it. But since I chose to rest in him, I chose to stop the chaos. I chose to stop the intrusive thoughts. Even though they were still fighting in my mind, I made that one small choice to trust God. And now I have such an amazing life. It's hard, right? Things are still tough but I can trust God knowing I have an abundant life in Christ. You guys will stand with me real quick. We're gonna pray. There's a couple of things I want you to think about as we pray and just kind of reflect. Surrendering your life to the Lord looks like this. Making the choice to trust Jesus over everything and recognize him as your savior, right? We have to recognize our need for Christ and how he wants to be there for us. And even then we have to recognize that he is our Lord. And by whenever he wants to be our Lord, being a Lord means he's over everything. And so we have to make the active choice, not only trust Jesus as our savior, but to let him be Lord of every aspect of our life, our finances, relationships, school, work, relationships, whatever it is, he has to be the Lord of your life before you can experience the rest of him in those areas of your life. You can know the Lord and not trust him with your finances. Like we said earlier with that illustration of our students, you know, they gave some of the things of their life from that bag to Jesus, but they kept the rest of it. It was so heavy on them, but only if they gave it to Jesus. So when you give it to Jesus, it doesn't just disappear, but then you experience what that burden is like with him. And the burden specifically on you is no longer yours to carry. You win the war by trusting God who loves you and by resting in him. So I wanna ask, uh, you can just, you know, all, everyone close your eyes. You just kind of focus on your own relationship with the Lord. And we will say there's the horizontal and we wanna focus on the vertical right now. But I wanna give an opportunity. If you have not accepted Christ into your life, if you have not fully surrendered and said, Lord, I, I don't know you, I don't know how to follow you. I don't know what scripture is. I don't know anything that she's been talking about today, but I know I need something different in my life and I want to trust you with it. Um, if that's you, if you'll just uh, raise your hand, no one's looking around, it's just me, just so that we know how to love on you guys. Um, if there's anyone in the room who is feeling that way, I just ask that, you know, you come talk to one of us staff, um, just take, talk to someone and anyone in the room, you know, whenever Jesus, um, so he, he, we have the same authority that Jesus did, right? And so all of us can lead our friends to the Lord. Every, every, all of us can love on each other. So it's just, if you're that person, find someone else today and just talk to them, build that community. Um, but if you are in a place of striving, if you are in a place of weariness, of warring in your mind, I just want you to spend time this week to commit learning how to rest in God. 
find your community, find scriptures, uh, spending some, some time in prayer, maybe commit to starting a Sabbath. Um, you know, there's spiritual disciplines that takes building habits. It's a discipline, it's a process. And Jesus gives us grace in that process. So as you begin that, just trust him that he is going to love you through it, give you grace to make mistakes and figure things out, but that he wants to love you and trust you through it. So I wanna pray over us today and then after uh, I pray, we'll be dismissed. So Lord, we're so thankful for your rest. We're so thankful that even in our own mistakes, um, even as we try to control things and as we try to move, uh, make our own decisions and do what we think is best, we know that you know what is best because you created us. So even down to us as um, in our humanity, just as your, uh, your children, but even then just on an individual level, you know what is best for each and every one of us because you love us so much. Lord, help us to remember that. Lord, our, our world is just constantly changing. There's constant chaos. Things are going up and down all the time, but you are our consistent line we can focus on, right? You're the same God forever and ever. And we're so grateful that Lord, just help us be closer to you. Give us the wisdom we need to actively choose to say no to things that don't push us to your rest. They don't guide us into a deeper relationship with you. God, we need you so much. God, help us remember that even when we make mistakes, we can run back to you and trust you with it all. Lord, we say all these, all these things in your name in expectancy that you are going to show up because you love us so much. We say these things in your name. Amen. Cool. All right. Thank you, Radical Church. Uh, thank you guys for just giving me the honor of sharing something super uh, important to me to you guys. Again, college students, uh, we have food for you guys. Uh, if you are new, sign up at the connection table, get um, some free merch, and we will see you next Sunday.